Hello, and welcome to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. A weekly radio show featuring conversations with successful women who have shown bravery, integrity, and independent thinking to lead a truly rich and rewarding life. Produced and broadcast by Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. And now, here's your host of Life on Purpose, Deb Coletti. Hi, this Hi. is uh, Life on Purpose, and I'm here with my guest, Nancy Slonam Arany. She is a remarkable person that I've known for many years, as long as I've come to the vineyard, I think, um, as a neighbor, as a friend, and as a teacher that I've uh, studied under. Uh, she is 69 years old. When you hear her voice, you're going to go, what? And when you see her picture, you go, no way. Um, but she is, and she's about to turn 70. She's been married for 43 years, remarkable. And she's been teaching this writing workshop for 18 years here on the Vineyard uh, at Omega Institute um, in various places across the country. Uh, she is an author of a book called Writing from the Heart, which is really what the workshop is all about. And she has been a commentator on NPR's All Things Considered. She had her own radio show, I just found that out, on uh, XM or Sirius Radio, which was about creative writing. She had a call-in show. People would write their, their stuff, and they discuss it on, on air. It sounds fascinating. Uh, she is a teacher at Trinity College. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. Not anymore. And, and Hartford was. Harvard University still? And I'm not doing that anymore okay. either. Cool. All I don't right. get fired, though. I move along. And you have workshops on the road. You have I one do. here in the summer that I've taken at least twice and yes. a half. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a whole story. And at Omega. And great places. But Nancy Ernie is a fascinating person who is a writing teacher. And, and you claim to tell people that you really can't teach them to write. Tell me about that. I don't think you can teach anybody anything creative, and writing is, to me, the kind of writing we're doing, writing from the heart, is about creativity. Right. So why can't you teach that? I just make it safe, mm -hmm. because you already have that. That's Everybody has that. We're all innately storytellers. We all have stories to right. tell. So um, I learned very early on by being in a very evil uh, workshop <laughs> where people were criticized and hurt and I was one of them, right. that that is not the way to teach or lead or facilitate. Critique, or red line. Brutal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I actually put a little ad in the paper when we went broke that I was doing a writing workshop in my home and about mm, 10 people who I knew, kind of knew, took the workshop. And the same thing happened. I had never facilitated a group before, mm -hmm. and they destroyed each other. And what I saw, literally physically, I saw shoulders go up, I saw necks get tight, and I saw the writing get constricted and generic. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea what I should do about that or what I could do about that. And on the last day, they wanted to have a performance for their families. So they had champagne and strawberries, and we rented chairs. And I just remember it was a warm, gorgeous day, and I was freezing because I had so detached from this group and was so unhappy with myself about right. how it had gone. And we did our little performance, and a normal person would have said, I'm never doing that again, but never claimed to be normal. Never and, did. and we needed money, <laughs> and it's funny that I even thought that it would be an income, but I call it call, uh, writing a postcard to your future self. Hmm. Somehow, I must have known this would be my work, because now I do make money at it, but I didn't then. Put another ad in the paper, writing workshop in my home, and this time I didn't take anybody I knew. And when they gathered, I said, I, I know that I can't teach anything. I know I'm a beginner at this, but I do know one thing. Creativity 
not deserves, but requires safety. Right. And I will make it safe for you. And we have one rule, and that is when Deborah finishes reading, we will tell her what we loved. What we loved, That's exactly. It. I cannot tell you mm. what happens. People go deeper, they go wider, they take risks, they jump off cliffs, the writing gets powerful, they fall in love with each other, there's no competition, there's just cheerleading for each other. Then we find our own voice for the first time. It's as if we're Sometimes seeing ourselves for the first time, yeah, for the first time. And that safety is what makes it so uh, rich and deep that we can go. And that's and that's your nature. How and do it's you for everything. That? It's for well, I think did I had as a child. I what mean, did I you? have in my household? I think there was. You know what we did have? We had permission to have all the emotions. Mm. That's a big deal. So we got to to cry. We got to laugh hysterically. We got to pound on the table because everybody was doing it. We got to learn not to listen. That's I had to learn that from Joel. Huh. The, the listening the skill. Listening. Oh, what? and Jerry not talking over each other and all yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> that we Jerry do so always well. says to me, "You, you can't learn to listen if you're talking." <laughs> and there's a joke. There's a, joke. there's a joke. There's a there's a there's a great joke. What's the what's the opposite of talking? Go ahead. What do you think is the opposite of talking? Uh, listening. No, it's waiting. Oh, waiting for for my turn. That's exactly. So the people that laugh, if you tell that joke, are the ones who are talkers. They're talkers. The other people are baffled, like Joel would be baffled. He would never think of waiting for his turn. He's a listener. (laughs) But anyway, I did get to, I I don't think we got a lot of criticism. I don't think we got a lot of judgment. Um, Really? There was a lot of laughter, and there was a lot of temper, anger, and there was no money. And there was no and the money. No money for it was hard. And that's the hard part. Yeah. So yes. that so your hole, your broken part, mm-hmm. is always mm-hmm. trying to fill that. Wow, the joy in the family sounds like it. It was it, it was a way it to compensate. Yeah. It, it was it was a great oh. nourishment. But the cashmere sweater is still in capitals for me. Yeah, the striving. But don't bold the cap the the major goal in my life. Wow. Is the cashmere sweater still? Oh my goodness! How many can I have? And you can have them. You have them ten times over and could, but it yeah. is it, it's your childhood stuck there. Once you have mm. this wound, mm-hmm. this this, this uh, hole, mm-hmm. I don't think you heal it. I think you make a larger frame for it. Right. And I've made a larger frame for it, and I stand in a different place with it, so that it. I don't wake up in the morning going, oh, I have to have cashmere, but it is there. And it is it is not prevalent anymore. It has perspective now because yeah. I can really get anything I want. But yes. it, it it shapes you. And after having done this workshop for 18 years, I now know that something happened to everyone mm-hmm. when they were little beings, mm-hmm. and there is a shard still in the heart that shaped you and mm-hmm. you and everyone. Mm-hmm. And you then see the world through the prism of that brokenness that hurt and so that's why two people can't see the same thing Mm. so when I I, I, my father died when I was young and I loved him and he died in front of me and he died in a minute and he died with his eyes open so that is that is a huge childhood uh, influence absolutely so now I see forever yeah your dad. I right? see fathers and daughters mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. I go. I will be in a room with 150 people. 
I will find the father and daughter that love each other. I mm. go to a wedding, I will see the father and daughter start the dance. You're a sponge. You're it like is, a magnet to uh, that relationship. Exactly. So when I was dating Joel, 40, <laughs> our anniversary is Thursday, 43 years. Wow, congratulations. 40, this you. is the person I wanted to bring here today because what a success story of making things work over adversity through early difficulties as you had as a child? You know, I'm great, but he's amazing. <laughs> so oh, when I was dating him, I I knew he came from healthy parents. I could tell by this family. Good call. Was, I always say, how do you like your mother? What's your relationship with your mother? Exactly. <laughs> if, there, if there's laughter and truth and comfort, well, they were great. They didn't hug enough, but they were healthy. Mm. So I'm, you know, dating him maybe three months. I knew this is a guy I wanted to marry. It took him two years for him to realize I was the gal he wanted to marry. But <laughs> that's a little longer I, sometimes, those boys. Pounded. Yeah. So I asked him, so what's the biggest betrayal that your mother ever did? Oh, she, th- these questions she asks in, the, in writing workshop, you can't believe how powerful Well, in the first place, do you yeah. want to know the guy you're dating? Do you want to know what yeah. happened? Do you want to know if he's real? Do you want to know if he's had a broken heart? Do you want to take or, 18 months and then find out? Exactamente. So I said, what's the biggest betrayal that your mother ever did? And I saw him squinch up his face, and he's like, you know, you know my mother, Nance. She's great. And I thought, the guy's a lightweight. I love him, but he's a lightweight. Deep How deeper, could he boy. not? Deep deeper, yeah. Exactly. So then one night in this moment of such sweet vulnerability, he, he admitted that on the playground he was called Dumbo mm-hmm. because his ears stick out. Sorry, but I don't think his ears he's stick out. He's such a gorgeous man. That's he's nuts. gorgeous. That's nuts. Okay, but go ahead. But, yeah. that, but the that's way he heard. that voice mm-hmm. was the same voice mm-hmm. I used when I talked about my father. Mm. I could hear the hurt. I knew that this was his wound. So a couple of years ago, we're walking down the street in Vineyard Haven, and we saw a father and two daughters. I go into my immediate, and we pass, and Joel goes, wow, did you see the ears on those kids? I'm not kidding. (laughs) That is hysterical. Unbelievable. So everybody, the thing you have to do is you have to watch what you see because it'll tell you everything. That's right. And if and I think I I have a theory that the people who are close friends are able to see each other's perspectives mm-hmm. better because when they're totally when you're going what are you talking what about? What planet are you from? Yeah. But I am married mm-hmm. to someone who is from another planet. I mean yeah. he really does see things yeah. totally differently, but. The fact that we can both now... You got it out of him, and you found the place to, to meet at... Because you you got to yeah. go deep with yeah, you. Yeah. And I, th- I, I make up the people that had perfect childhoods aren't really the very interesting people to know. Nobody but had a perfect... Nobody, that. nobody. He, he, um, they, they didn't hug. And yeah. did they ever say he had big ears, or the kids at school? The they kids probably at school. Protected it was school. Him it, was school. From him. it was school. Wow, yeah. that's a good... No, they're good. They're really, really good people. My mother-in-law's 96 and phenomenal still. How lucky that yeah. they have you, and you got to have them. We, they taught me plenty. Yeah. Well, and the, the dad that you didn't have, did, yeah. did you absorb yeah. that too? He would have preferred more cleavage and longer skirts. <laughs> um, or shorter skirts. And I wore jeans. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah and yeah. a daughter-in-law even. Hmm. He was a big flirt. Not a not a crossing boundary guy, not but, a boundary, a, but, but he loved women. Safe and I was flirt. very, with jeans and oversized T-shirts, and it, that, that wasn't, I and could tell because the other brothers... Here that brought women into the household who were very sexy and seductive, he would just turn his attention to them, right, and I was talking right. to her. 
He loved me. Demure Nancy, you ain't, baby. No, no, you did not play that. Couldn't get it. We need to go to a break, but boy, are we on a roll. And we'll be back in just a few minutes with Nancy Slonum Erany. It's a mouthful. Thank you. We'll be right back. You're listening to Life on Purpose with your host, Deb Coletti. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. Okay, hi. We're back here with uh, Nancy Sloan Marini, and we are uh, talking about her, her childhood. And you talked about being broke as a child, it sounds. That was a very painful thing. And then you were Why, broke again. Cried. As a, yeah, because you cried. Yeah. <laughs> the clue? I'm not even Barbara Walters. I got her to cry under two minutes or less. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even do it. But yeah, but you were broke as adult married people, and so you pulled out of your butt this creative well, writing it, workshop. You know, it's interesting, because growing up, I don't think we were that poor. I mm-hmm. think there are stories that we tell ourselves to ourselves, about ourselves, That's and to right. everyone else. Repeat the tape and until we get it right. They become our identity, and I think it was very romantic for me to think we were poor, although my parents did, they were, they were depression people, and they didn't have a lot of money, but I felt... Uh, and we moved to a rich town, which was hard to do. And so you're you're the poorest in the rich town. You're going to feel poor as a child, as a as a kid. I, okay. Yeah. Then I married Joel, and I was a teacher. He was an engineer. We were doing fine, but he was not a spending guy. To go out to dinner was, you know, how are we going to ever go out to a restaurant? That's just not something he grew up with. Right. I dreamt of restaurants, and you know what's funny, Deb? I eat out all the time now, and I am like dying <laughs> to go. And skip a night. I can't. Be careful what you wish for. But I did wish for that. Then Joel and I went into a business. He was working with plexiglass at Pratt and Whitney as a nuclear engineer. And he came home. Teacher, nuclear engineer. Don't you love that dichotomy there? (laughs) Very straight. He had a tie. I don't see the broken there. Yeah. (laughs) And I had uh, funny dresses that I had to wear with stockings. Thank you very much. With the garter belt that didn't come up high enough. (laughs) With the clump of fat. Just old enough to have that. Yes, I'm the garter belt era. And then, you know, the things weren't long enough for a tall person, so that fat clump came out between the stocking and we won't <laughs> you discuss that now. Squeezing <laughs> through the stocking. So anyway, um, he comes home and he's talking about this material that he's working with, and I love this material. It's so beautiful. I couldn't even relate to the phrase. He brings home sheets of small pieces of plexiglass, and I said, well, make something. And he made a cube end table in 1970. We got married in 67, so it was about 71. Nobody had seen such a thing. Wow. A friend of ours had run for mayor of Hartford and had lost. We gave it to him as a gift. He called us four days later and said, everybody wants one. So we started doing this hobby that became very lucrative. And on Saturdays, we would drive around to the towns around Connecticut and New York, and we'd walk into fancy sort of boutique stores, and things were just beginning to get beautiful and uh, and modern and we'd walk in and I would do the talking because you can tell that's yeah yeah that was great your forte. With scientists you stay back there <laughs> yeah yeah you just slap you slap I'll speak <laughs> and um and they we we sold a lot of them and then oh. he designed a lamp that was absolutely gorgeous and so uh, we went to Bloomingdale's with a lamp he had never been in Bloomingdale's oh my God. I had never bought anything in Bloomingdale's but you knew what the, but what I knew they that needed. was where to go yeah 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 and uh, we both took the day off from work and we drove in and he had it boxed but it was sticking out of the box quite a bit <laughs> and we walked in and I said to the first woman that I saw on the lamp department I said um, is the lamp buyer here 
And she said, do you have an appointment? La, la, la. And I said, no. And she said, well, you can't just walk in here off the street with a lamp. And the lamp buyer walked by, <laughs> and she said, whose lamp is that? And I said, ours. And she said, see me in my office immediately. Oh, my God. Going to her office. She said, the lamp is stunning. <laughs> stunning, darling. <laughs> I'm buying the lamp. The lamp is stunning. How much is it? So we didn't know because we were buying everything retail at that point. And she said, well, I'm going to tell you how much it is. She said, we're going to work backwards. So she said, I can sell the lamp for $80. Now, this was 1971, really? so that was pretty oh darn good. God. So she said, I'm going to be ordering eight of them in August. We went out on 64th and Lexington, jumping up and down. We had never eaten out in New York. <laughs> we went to our first restaurant, spending the money immediately. We were ecstatic. So we started this very lucrative small business. Then I babysat for some people who's, um, who owned buildings. We got their building. We ended up with uh, 125 people working and 64,000 square feet I and never a knew huge, this story. This is fantastic. massive plexiglass furniture. Terrence Conran, look out. You were the originals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we really were. Yeah. And then uh, how we went broke. So we did, yeah. that for, we did it for, yeah. we made money for about 12 years. And we were in uh, every major department store, and we were in um, Bendel's, and we were in, we were everywhere. Incredible. Ernie Galleries. And the reason we called it Galleries was because we didn't know what to name ourselves, and Joel opened the New Republic, and there were a list of galleries. He said, how about Ernie Galleries? That's how we named ourselves. And Gallery was a great, yeah. So, well, yeah. It's a range. It it worked. Yeah. So what happened was crack cocaine came into the neighborhood. Mm. The oil crisis happened, and it's an oil-based product, so our sheet stock oh, zoomed up in price. In the Carter days, price. right? Carter, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And everybody copied us and went to Taiwan hmm. and copied Could do our it cheaper designs. offshore. Hello. Sucks. So our $30 cube was now 18 right. Our $70 Z-stool mm-hmm. was now 30 our Parsons tables that we were selling for 80 were now 27. So as fast as Joel would design, and we'd be in a show in Jacob Javits Center, right. the guys would copy it, and they'd be Ugh. they'd send it to the mold. You can't control that either, can no, you? No, you, really you can't. can't we couldn't uh, patent anything. Mm-hmm. And so we saw we saw the writing on the wall, but we did nothing about it. We just were in a little denial. In fact, when we went completely broke, I did go to Bendel's and buy a, a mohair sweater for $400. <laughs> that was my last purchase. Oh, no. And then we went camping, and I wore it, and there were leaves in it. And I came home and said, this is enough. You do not have this money. Yeah. I picked the leaves out. I went back to Bendel's. I asked to see the manager. I was sobbing. I said, we are totally broke. I had no right to buy this on Friday. I wore this camping. They you admitted it? it they took it back. They were so beautiful to me. Well, the, the saleswoman was not beautiful, but then she went and got the I was going to say, this is retail. Saleswoman was kind of snobby. You're showing both sides of the Bonwit Teller yeah, School yeah. of bad behavior, how to be <laughs> snotty and rude to the opposite. <laughs> right. Like, we love you. Yes, we they, will take it back. They were very, very and, good Because you me. were honest. Yeah, I think honesty, you know, I'm telling you that yeah. that's basically Had you made up a story that, no, I never took the tag off, it must have right. fallen off with vulnerability. What are they going to do? You're weeping. I mean, pretty exactly. much you're making their heart weep for you. The the problem in our culture, mm. I think, and in lots of families, is that by the time you got honest, you're pissed. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're saying your honesty with an attitude. And if people were allowed to be honest in their houses mm-hmm. when they grew up, if you mm. were allowed to be accountable, if you were allowed to break the vase, if you didn't get beaten because you didn't finish your peas, whatever it was... If people were just kinder to each other, but they passed on what their fathers did and right. their mothers did, and so it keeps going. Right. But if we were allowed to make mistakes, 
then and be you vulnerable would, and, and, and get yourself back up. Right? And that's, that's what, what happens in, in, this, exactly. in this workshop. It's safe to be sorry. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's safe to say, I, this is what happened to uh-huh. me. And there's no, yeah, I walk out of here going, yep, and it's my story, and it can only keep, you can't help but just want to keep doing you more just and want, more. You just want to hear the rest mm-hmm. of it, and you just want to hold them mm-hmm. and hold each other because there's no one. The and it's that Scott group Frey. process too. I love that yeah. happens here is the sharing and the. Um, we look across the room and I see an ex massage therapist I've had or a um, <laughs> or a young great. child that I know a daughter of somebody. And yep. go, How will I ever relate? Will we really have stories that will? We're all the same color blood. We're all That's the good. same people. Underneath. And to get there and once you break down, I went to a, a conference last week, a blogger conference at the Hilton in New York City and wow. I talked about it the other day. I checked my cynical hat at the door. <gasps> I would have walked That's in right. and said oh, these are all moms, stay at home moms. I, I they was just want to be mother. heard. They just want to be heard. Yakety yak, narcissist nation, you know, all of that. And I went, put your hat at the door, Deb. Go in there with your stuff and, and listen. And I learned so much and I met people that were, were the same people. Yeah. And, and my yeah. judgment yeah. could have gone there, but I have learned through classes like yours and the work I've done to uh, just put that aside, if I can put it aside. And I really it's hard work. A lot it's more. hard work to not put the walls up because yeah. they have protected you, but actually they protected you from you. Exactly. And from if you're you, being, if it, you're, if you've been not knowing who's in there, yeah. who you're presenting, who's who, who and, does anybody know? They don't really know you. And what you're not open to, what's passing you by because you're shut down. Completely missing. It's it's right there in front of you. Yeah. On our vineyard here, we have experienced, we have the, I'm here at Martha's Vineyard, which is so great to do a lot of these um, shows because this is the riches right here. And we have some notable, some not is what I call it. And it has been a complicated uh, world to uh, navigate. Yeah. And Nancy has done it really well. You Thank know you. a lot of fancy people and you know a lot of real, and th- that are very real people. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, some are people, some are not, yep. I like to say. You know, <laughs> the thing is, you can really, find that little person in everybody yes I, I was having trouble with my mother-in-law and there was an era where I was there was a lot of stuff getting published and I would send my pieces down to Florida to my in-laws and they wouldn't they wouldn't say anything mm. Mm. and mm. I I thought how you know I'm silence fan letters <laughs> yeah. and so I had I actually sat them down and just burst into tears and just said guys I get feedback from strangers, but you're the ones I want you to call me mm. on the phone and say, I love this. I'm so proud of you. People or need I don't agree with right. this or whatever, but don't act like I didn't send it to you. They began doing that. Uh, but you the had way to teach them. I had to, yes, I had to ask for what mm-hmm. I want, which yes. by the way is a really good thing Huge. to do in the world yep. without anger, mm-hmm. just to ask for what you right. want. And then the other thing was to get to know my mother-in-law, I asked her, I like interviewed her just like you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I asked her about her childhood mm-hmm. and I found out that when she was three, she, because she was tall and because she had um, a younger sister in the household who was sick, her mother sent her to school early by a year and a half and Yiddish was her only language. Oh my gosh. This woman entered school not speaking English and tall, so they called her stupid. <sighs> so that woman closed up shop right at three until somebody went in there and dug her like you and and, and asking people heart those hard questions yeah. those deep questions yeah, just, just probably melted your hearts together right? well as soon as i found out that there was a little person in there that got hurt i just mm. every time i talked to her i That's just talked to see. the little girl yeah and then i fell in love with her what a lesson and then people she in the world yeah 
if you can go into that and take down the pissed off at the guy in front of you in the car and imagine he's trying to get to the hospital to see his wife that's beautiful or child or something benefit benefit oh and we don't i don't i'm not perfect that's for sure it's 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 very kind but it's good to remember and i need to go to break and but we're going to come back with more of that but thank you so much we'll be back in just a minute with nancy arnie to join in the conversation with Deb Coletti from Life on Purpose, please call 646-652-2071 or log on and chat with her at hearwomentalk.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Life on Purpose. Once again, here's your host, Deb Coletti. Hi, I'm Deb Coletti, and I'm back here with Nancy Slonam Arany. Uh, and we've been talking about many things, um, one of which is her writing class that she teaches. Um, and it's more than just a writing class. It's not about grammar and teaching like a college-level uh, writing class. It's really creative writing and writing from the heart, which is actually the name of her book. Nancy taught me about powerful questions. Uh, in her workshop, she'll ask a question that will you will sit there and go, Oh, my holy Lord, how am I going <laughs> to answer that? And um, as a coach, as I learned as a life coach training and the leadership things, they're called powerful questions, and they really bring people to their core. Um, things that you ask, what is, what, tell me a question you asked last week that you think was the, the most powerful question in your workshop. Well, you know, they're not really questions. They're prompts. Yeah, They're prompts. assignments so that yes, people right. are, they're so provocative that you can't not write. But the one, and I do many of them over and over again because they always work. They do. But there's <laughs> one that, that I give, I, I never not give, which is write about a time you felt one way and acted another. Mm. And I tell the story, sometimes I tell this story, which was my freshman year of University of Virginia, there were 17 Jews in the whole school, Mm. 1959. Mm. Now, you know, I'm 69 years old, and I'm going to be 70, and it's going to be great to be 70, because then people are going to say, oh my God, you look great. I can't believe that. I know. No, it's going to be be much better to be 70 than 69. (laughs) 69 is fine, although it's a funny word. I mean, a funny number. Um... So uh, the story that I that I tell is how first of all I went there because I wanted to, I looked at the catalog and it had a daisy chain of these gorgeous southern bells with blonde page boy hair and organdy gowns and I was like jeans and f- my father's white huge oversized shirts and you know hair out to here and Jewish and I wanted to be Gentile and I wanted to be a southern belle and I wanted to be tiny right. it's very hard to go to college and want to be 5'1 as opposed to 5'11 and a half it just they don't have a course for that right. actually right. I noticed that so I'm in the room with a bunch of girls that first night and somebody told an anti-semitic joke and I laughed um, along with everybody else uh, and then I went back to my room and I looked in the mirror and I thought well now, well now, how about that? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you want to spend four years pretending, or do you want to transfer to Cornell, which is where you wanted to go in the first place? Right. Or, But I was on the waiting list, I didn't get in. And do you want to tell them, but then you'll never have friends? So it was a really, I, I was what crying in the mirror. What choice did you make, and how long did it take Well, you? this is stunning, because mm. about three nights later, mm. I'm in the room, same girls, mm-hmm. and this is how I know that you have an inner wise person. Mm-hmm. And my inner wise person's getting louder, which is fabulous. And she was she was uh, awake mm-hmm. that day, that evening, and she said, or I said, I told a Jewish joke. 
And I told it with all the accents, and they were roaring, and they were laughing. And as the laughter died down, I raised my hand like this, and then I called on myself like a teacher and went, Nancy, I don't know where that even came from. And then I said, um, and it got very quiet. I said, I'm the only one who can tell these because I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. Dead silence. And the first person who spoke said, Oh, Nancy, I just can't believe you're a Jew. You are just so darling. <laughs> but I knew it was a compliment. Yeah. I mean, she yeah, really yeah, yeah. was you complimenting look like one me. Of us. Yeah, I you thought she like were. One of us. And another one said, oh. "I have got to bring you home to meet my daddy. He's not going to believe I met a Jew." <laughs> oh that was God. also a compliment. Would <laughs> so, you open up a whole new path for you everybody? No, I think I spent four years oh. there representing Israel or something. Exactly. It was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them unafraid. You know, yeah. I am going to treat Show them, them what good Jew looks like. There you go. Jew. Not a problem. <laughs> Nancy will love you all. So I did stay. I I graduated from, and it turned out it wasn't the University of Virginia. It was Mary Washington College of the University of Virginia. Let's be clear, which which sounds even more waspy. And I never told anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Southern, and the seventeen, the other sixteen Jews were from you know Arkansas, and their father owned the department store in their city. Wild. So, so they were all of the Jews, other ones yeah. were very, very wealthy. They were not Yankees. They, yep. were, to- they yep. were Southern, just with blonde, other kind of exactly. hair. But anyway, uh, that so right about the time you felt one way and acted another, the stories unbelievable. The and stories. how you lie to yourself, and you got to not listen to that little voice, but I obey know, that little voice. I and when know. we don't, it bites us in the ass. That voice has to get loud. Can you imagine how shut down you would have been, pretending to be a blonde cheerleader oh, oh, with your hair well, I couldn't have done it. The juice I cans. <laughs> couldn't have done it. <laughs> I was ironing my hair in 19. Yeah. Oh, no right, right no after doubt. that. Yeah. No doubt. But that that's but that's that assignment brings out authentic. every single story that everybody had because there's nobody that hasn't had to fake yeah, one evening, exactly. one hour, one moment. Mm-hmm. Except my husband, actually, his inner his <laughs> inner self, self and his outer self. True. But match. those years, but for those years, <laughs> All right? <laughs> that is <Hats>. cool. <laughs> what terrifies you, Miss Nancy? Ooh. Wow, that was good. Mm. I have to think. No, I have to feel. Yeah. What terrifies me? Um, my body hurting. Mm. I'm I'm a pain pussy, and my <laughs> knees hurt right now. You said that as I arrived. Yeah, when I have arthritis. When you going to, on seventy, you shocked me because you I, were such I, a. I just I can't I can't function well in mm. pain. Mm. And I had a grandmother who walked around going, "Oh, just can't Oi, my <laughs> oi, my fingers. Oi, my knees. Oi, my and my mother too. Yeah. And now yeah. I have it. Of course, I had a tomato and salad I, last night for. Four people. I ate the entire thing, and you're not supposed to have nightshades. I was going to say tomatoes are good. Yeah. And oh, today geez. I'm not walking, and it's like put put the thing together, Nancy. Connect mm-hmm. the emotional dots. Mm-hmm. Nightshades equals arthritis. Right. But I wanted the tomato salad with the fresh basil and, and the August. mozzarella cheese. So you and get it's to August, have them. The Damn it. Tomatoes. <laughs> But anyway, that, that's what I'm scared of. Yeah. Not being able to bike. Yeah. I bike every morning. You not are being a biker. able to swim. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not a biker. Not I anymore. take my bike. Mm-hmm. I put it on the rack of the car. I drive to Aquina. <laughs> I take the bike off with my arthritic hands. Oh. And I ride, speed ride through on Lobsterville, Lobsterville Road. Road. And yeah. I'm gasping from the beauty. Oh. So I'm not really a biker, but I, I love that 
physical you, you exercise. Ride your bike. And, I ride you bike. ride your bike. And then I and, and then I, you and swim. I as I arrived swimming. here today, a friend stopped by to say, uh, "Should we swim in the pond, which is like a long distance pond kind of thing? It's not like a little pole." Yeah, swimming. Uh, uh, before we meditate. Now this is somebody who's <laughs> living her life in every minute and every hour. I'm very lucky. With, uh, yeah, uh, an amazing purpose in, to everything. And time out to have fun. Which, what do you do for fun? What's your most fun thing you're going to do oh, this week? Oh, God. Well, I have great people in yeah. my life. I have <laughs> you the see best. the great in everybody in your life oh, I make up. You, is that true? Yeah. I, I try to do that. Mm-hmm. That is that is a conscious effort. Mm-hmm. But I have friends who are like teachers, mm-hmm. you know, and I and I love to hang with them and laugh hysterically. I have a husband who still cracks <laughs> me up, and uh, we do bits, and um, we we are we're the vile veeds from the Hebrew home, <laughs> and we take the we take the music on the road, okay. and we sing when you are alone and life is making you lonely. You can always go yes. downtown. So. <laughs> I always have to have the singing in every show, and you've done it without oh, even being asked. There you go. Well, it. you are the one that had those great parties I with, the, with the singing is my life, and I know thing. nothing about it, but I just well, love you, to do it. But you're joyous at singing. You're joyous. <laughs> I remember you That's looking. Worse. You know, it's weird that you have radio. For those of you who who have not seen Deborah, she is one of the most gorgeous women. I have a great radio face. You. <laughs> She's she's gorgeous. Anyway, I we're both gorgeous. And a we're face for gorgeous. radio. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love I love hanging with my people. I, and you and you've got an extended family. I love how you have collected people and changed your life to absorb and been open to different ways. I of have living. very different kinds of yeah. humans in yeah. my life. I have just they run the gamut. And I think you know because Dan was sick. Mm-hmm. Two we, boys, she has two, two boys. We had uh, caregivers, recently, yeah. and mm-hmm. they were from other walks of life. I mean, uh, Allison, who became like God to me because mm-hmm. she took care of my son so beautifully when I interviewed her for the job, she was wearing a T-shirt that said, don't piss me off, I'm running out of places to hide the bodies. <laughs> now, who wears a T-shirt to an interview? <laughs> you are hired. <laughs> and, that, and I did hire her. She, I saw her with Dan, and she was brilliant, oh. but she kept saying, can I just tell you my history? Can I just give you my resume? Can I tell you about myself? And I said, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> turns out after she worked for us for about three months, she had been in jail. Oh. She had come home she and wasn't found... She was kidding on that no, t-shirt. No, she had, she had a very, very sordid mm. past and became a very wise, healing Shaman. healer mm-hmm. in this work she did with Dan. Wow. And so my gut hired her, not my head. The resume would have said... again to that little voice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That voice is loud now. And she's still part of your family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. And I know you've taken it. You have a sister? I have right? a sister who's yeah. four years older than me. And I remember took me a story on dates. you wrote about her that I can't, will never forget. What was it? Last year you talked about your sister and re-engaging with her. Oh, and, my and sister at 70. Yeah, yeah. At 70 when I matched out. This is good hope for y'all. You're going to appreciate <laughs> this. At 70, she had a, a marriage for 44 years. wasn't terrible. It just didn't honor her properly. Mm, nice and they never had it. a dime either. And she went on Match.com and met the love of her life at 70 in a white wedding gown oh she my is God. so happy and she lives in roanoke so if uh, if anyone's listening in roanoke go find my sister she's a healer oh. she's a teacher and uh <laughs> she's an all-faith minister so if you need to have a wedding We're call prepared. my sister Frances curtis oh my Barnhart. goodness and yeah, she's a little plug for her she was always joy. she was always a wise woman. Even when we were kids, she knew stuff. She told me everything. I got a very quick one. I know we sure. have time. Okay. But there was a haunted house 
in every neighborhood, probably every neighborhood has one where the parents say, don't go near that house, don't go there. Even on Halloween, don't go there. <laughs> and my sister came home from school one day, and she said, guess where we're going today? And she was <laughs> she was like 14, and I'm, what, four years younger. And we get up, and it was, it was surrounded by a black wrought iron fence, and it was a whole city block, and it was a huge, imposing. The rest of the neighborhood was very three-family, kind of poor, mm-hmm. middle, mm-hmm. lower middle class. This huge mansion-y house. And we walk up the walk, and we're shaking, and we knock on the door, and this little old lady comes to the door. <laughs> yes. It was just like, you know, a movie set. And uh, could we see Dr. Lori? Oh, yes, children, come in. <laughs> <laughs> Squeaky door. We go in, and she brings us into this little chapel. And it's a chapel, and there's, like, little rows, and there's a little altar. And he comes out, and he's tiny, and he's so delighted to see us. And he tells us that... When he was young, the only games you could play, because they didn't really have toys, and he was an old man then, and we were young, so this is like probably in the aught two, that they played a game jumping from curb to curb, and that he jumped and hit his head and died. Mm. And that he went to heaven, and God said, you can stay here and be one of the angels with us, or you can go back and be a healer. And the man became a healer. And I, I know he was a healer. He took, he took his hands. He asked us to hold our hands under him, and he said, do you feel cold? And we felt cold coming out. He said, now do you feel hot? And we felt hot. And, you know, maybe it was the power of suggestion. We were little kids. But he was as sweet as he could be. He showed us magazine and newspaper articles where he was arrested, hmm. but he showed us many, many letters of people that he had healed. So here was my sister having the the balls to go up to this house, knowing somehow intuitively that this was a healer. And I swear he gave us, you know, a gift. When you broke that legend right in half, and he's the opposite. And my parents were like, you what? (laughs) I warned you never to go up those stairs. But I think think my sister always has known something from another, from outer. It spoke to her directly, and she went went to the... And took me everywhere. Wow, that's very cool. Well, great story. We yeah, and we, we could go on and on with yes, Nancy. Yes, we could. But then we will do another show with yeah, Nancy good, perhaps good. next year. I would good. love that. Nancy, thank you so much for doing oh, this with Deb. me. You mean so much to me, and you were top of my list for someone to just be here in this in this thank new you, endeavor with me. And I thank you so much. My honor. Namaste. Namaste. To join in the conversation with Deb Coletti from Life on Purpose, please call 646-652-2071 or log on and chat with her at hearwomentalk.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Deb Coletti. Hi, I'm Deb Coletti, and I'm back here live with Nancy Sloan-Amarini, who is joining us here for questions that have been chatted in like crazy over the last hour. Nancy, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. (laughs) That's our Nancy. And um, I'm just going to read you some of the questions we've been getting, Nancy. It's been wild and interesting. Your story about your sister was fantastic. Everybody loved that. Say your name again. Frances Curtis Barnhart. And she lives in Roanoke. And that's Virginia or West Virginia? Virginia. Cool. Um, let's see. Uh, everybody's relating so much to your story about your ma, your uh, st- your mother-in-law, and what a cool thing to you know. If you're having trouble with somebody in life, ask them a lot of questions. It's amazing how endearing, right? Yes. It's 
tell me tell me about how we break the cycle of you know when when you said uh, by the time you were you get honest you're pissed I love that how do we well, break you that? know I I really think people didn't grow up in households where being able to disagree was really welcome. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of kids, just in order to get fed and loved and held, just sort of acquiesced and became this other person that they wanted them to be. In the meantime, the real person, the little tiny perfect being, gets stuffed down, and then pretty soon you get out into the world, and it's like, this is who I am! Screaming. <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Where do we, I guess it's hearing that wise woman, as you said, that wise person inside saying, ouch, this isn't sitting right, and we just take a small bite at the apple then? Oh, that's a nice little phrase. I'm not a small bite kind of girl. You know? Yeah, you're right. How do you I take a small hour, bite? Like, like, that hurts. Ow, that stinks. But, you know, I mean, I just think that uh, in in my own experience in relationships, if I, if I hold something for too long, then there's this huge wedge between two people. And when people love each other, then they owe each other the honesty. But it has to come out in a kind way. And if it comes out, you know, if you don't feel like you can address it, then... It's going to get blurted out in an angry, sort of passive aggressive way, and that that doesn't work. Yeah. And always, I mean, you know, one of the things, considering from the heart, one of the things you can do when you have an issue with somebody is write write the dialogue, write your part and their part, and then you can try to get their perspective. And and if you get their perspective, then uh, suddenly maybe you can open up the frame a little wider. You know my frame story? Did I ever tell you my frame story? Yeah, no, tell the frame story. I love that perspective that you just put on it, and you're a therapist, really. Is <laughs> well, you know, the, yeah. the thing is, is everybody is going to have a totally different take on everything because everybody's experience was totally different. And uh, there's just, um, everybody has a gray, horrible, dull thing in their lives, and everybody has a gorgeous, gorgeous something, and sometimes you block off the gorgeous something. So there's this story of, this painting of a sunset and it's this swath of magenta that is absolutely exquisite in the right hand corner of the painting and the rest of the painting is this blah gray nothing and the guy brings it to the framer and he goes back a week later and the framer says mm, you know I, I, I just didn't have a frame big enough so I had to fold over that pink thing <laughs> and so the, the lesson is we are in charge of the size of our frame. We're not in charge of what happens to us. Breast cancer happens. Kids die. Husbands walk out. That's going to happen to everyone. But what do you do with what you get? So I yeah. say you dance it, you sculpt it, you write it, and you make a larger frame for it. Ugh, that's such a wonderful, wonderful story. It gives me the chills as you do all the time in our writing and, and so on. Very, very cool. Um, and it is the frame, as you said earlier on, too, and, and that it doesn't, the hurt never goes away, but the, your perspective on it does change. Um, yeah. And writing about it, I think that creative writing, and as you say, it really is such a healing source and digging in, um, uh, digging into the issue and not just running away from it. Yeah, um, the whole yeah. thing of covering it and numbing it is really culturally what's happening right now. It's mm-hmm. big. There are too many horrible things, so people just are shutting down their hearts one by one, and 
if you stop feeling, then you stop being compassionate. So you've got to feel your own story first, the pain and the sorrow of what happened to you. Everybody had something happen. Everybody. Right. And they will, and it's what you choose to do with it, you know. Is the cup half full, half empty, or overflowing? Um, it really is a choice, a tough one when you've been beaten down. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, I just got a chat in by some, uh, from somebody, uh, speaking of mother-in-laws, uh, she just lost her husband, uh, her mother-in-law just lost her husband last week. She asked her to write, uh, the story of their lives together during World War II and 10 pages later, uh, she's a talented writer. She told me that she had been amazingly, th- that it had been amazingly therapeutic for her. Oh, that's great. It's, isn't that lovely? Yeah, and it cool. is. And asking people questions about their, their story, their past, their history, it's, you do find that place in your heart where you melt together, like, as you did over and over. How about your, your story in, in college? Oh my gosh. People are really oh. responding to that. Are they responding? Oh, good. And okay. Southern, Southerners, what is this cute person from the South says, oh no, and I'm from the South. <laughs> Oh, thank she, but you, heard. Don't worry, don't worry. Everybody has goodness in them. It was just, first of all, it was the times. I mean, it was just a very okay time to say stuff like that. And I know that they meant compliments. I know that they really meant well. They just said it wrong, and that happens often. And I think, you know, that's another lesson. If we start to take everything personally, then you're just going to be pissed all the time. And you not just, just walk away from it. Yep. Yeah. You yeah. turned it on its head and went deeply into it. You could have gone to Cornell. You'd be gone, After and you would have. Sure did. Well, Cornell didn't want me, so and, and Mary was. You would have gotten in. <laughs> no, but again, facing those directly, those stories and, and those issues, and diffuse it. And those people, and I'm sure their parents loved meeting the nice Jewish girl from New York. Well, I, 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 yes, actually, and they said, yeah. "Y'all come back and see us here." <laughs> I did. You played a southern girl really well. <laughs> yeah, and I learned the war between the states as opposed to the Civil War. It's interesting. It's just a different perspective again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody just asked, what is the purpose? Oh, that's me. That's so interesting. But it isn't me. It's somebody else. Uh, what's the purpose of your writing workshop? I think we talked about that up early, but it really is uh, creative writing. And say more about that. Well, you know, I don't teach writing, and I don't think anybody can. I just make it safe. And and what I've found over the 18 years I've done this is that people are so used to criticism and so used to judgment, and school destroyed so many voices by by saying, you know, you didn't use the subjunctive, so your grammar's bad, so you get a D. Mm. When, in fact, if you're writing about your own story and you're using your own voice, then you can't be wrong, and there is no wrong in my workshop. And so the purpose is to get your story on the page, out of your cellular structure, out of your body, out of your heart, get it on the page, and see that you don't have to carry this as your identity anymore, whatever happened to you. And horrible things happen to little beings. I mean, this is, you know, we're all learning as we go along. Everybody's parents did the best they could, but a lot of them passed on the stuff that happened to them. Right. And a lot of children did not get unconditional love. So the stories are horrible and funny and tragic. And to get it out of you and get it on the page, and then we read out loud. And I only have one rule, and that is when Deb finishes reading, nine of us will tell her what we loved. That is a very unusual sort of mm-hmm. system because in, in this world we're usually criticized. We're usually told what's wrong with what we do. This is the complete opposite. This is where we tell you what, what's brilliant. And it's amazing to see people get 10 years younger or to see people's faces just light up and go, I didn't even remember that. I didn't even know that I, I, I remembered that. 
And they cry and they laugh and they write some more and they go home very juiced and inspired and, and are able to be in a safe place to tell the truth because there's a lot of shame around what happened to us. Yeah, yeah. That Letting shame, go of those secrets yeah, for the first time. And everybody's got them. I mean, they're just, and it, we're finding now, probably because of the internet and television and cable and all of the ways that we are much more honest, is that everybody has darkness and everybody has a secret and carrying that around is not healthy. Not healthy. No, 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 no. And it is so safe when you sit there, someone just chatted in. I want to be in her workshop. Exactly. Come, come, come to the vineyard. Come. <laughs> come to the vineyard or you also come to Omega, which is in oh, Western true. Mass. So where and does that also, person live that just chatted? I want uh, to she's down workshop. in, I think, in South Carolina. But, you know, you could make a little uh, weekend uh, workshop. How about that? That's true. I'll come to South Carolina. Call me. Call me. She will. We're only <laughs> I know there's food, good food. Is Charleston, South Carolina? Yeah. Charleston's well, I heard Charleston Carolina. has good food, so I'll go to Charleston. Myrtle Beach is pretty beautiful. That's where Myrtle the Beach is, is where a lot of people are chatting in from. But uh, yeah, a lot of golf. A, though, a lot of golf. I'm not a golfing person. Nope, I, although I like the carts. I have to say, <laughs> they'll feed you shrimp and grits. They promise. They're, they're, I'll come. I'll come. <laughs> Let's do that. Definitely. And in New York City, you also work at the Open Center here. You do a yes. workshop. Is that true? Yes. True. And I'm going to be in Esalen September 24th in Big Sur. Esalen out in Big Sur. A gorgeous location. So for you California kids listening in, and I know there are many uh, up early in the morning and or will listen to this later, hopefully. Um, but that's, really? yeah, she is worth, and you could do, you do weekends, you do, usually it's, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings is how long the workshop is. No, no, is. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, sorry, the first four days of the week from like 9 to noon, is that correct? No, yeah, those are the ones on the vineyard. But then, you know, just if you go to the website, can I say the website, Deb? You certainly can. It's chillmarkwritingworkshop.com, and chillmark is C-H-I-L. I'm going to put that on the chat line, too. Thank uh, you. So that everybody, of course, thank you for reminding me. Um, but she, uh, somebody's asking, she'll mark with a C, not Z. Uh, the workshop is is not taught by others. It's only taught by Nancy because you really can't, can't clone her, <laughs> uh, which we could. But you know what? I'm glad we can't. Thank you. She is uh, one of a kind. <laughs> uh, we but all are. That's, that's the thing. We all are. And we everybody all are needs unique. to that's be right. proud to. Everybody needs to be honored. But let's talk about your book because they could also pick up your book. The book is called Writing from the Heart, right? And it's really a lot of it's it's almost memoirish, a lot of funny stories, and a, and at oh. the end of every chapter, there's an exercise, a writing exercise. So you could you could take the class that way on your own at home. Yeah, no, I think that's if you can't come to the workshop, it's a beautiful way to do it. And you had a radio show where you had people calling in uh, their writing, and that you would uh, discuss it online. Yeah, we live. did the exact. We did the workshop only. We did it. We gave the assignments a week in advance, or sometimes two weeks in advance, and then people emailed their pieces, and then we would call them and say, "Okay, we're going to call you at this time." And we did exactly what you're doing, Deb. We patched them in. People read their pieces, and people would call in and comment. I, I'm in Michigan. I can't believe it. I'm crying. I had to pull over. That was so beautiful. <laughs> that was great. It was, it was a very successful show, and I think you'd have a great audience again, maybe right here on Hear Women Talk. I know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a just fan. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Somebody just chatted, let's do it right here, and they're going, yes. Wow, <laughs> so this is amazing that you're following. Wow, <laughs> no, it's, it's, 
immediate. I like this immediate gratification thing. Isn't it nice? I know it's like being at your workshop. What do you love? And there's so many stories to love about Nancy. People are saying what a great storyteller you are oh. and what a great writer. And uh, let's see. Um, and, and yeah, they just can't hear enough. I said, you have not begun to hear. We, only, we could have filled four shows. <laughs> well, we will. We're going to do it again. Yeah, and you're going to get a lot of love right here and hear women talk as I'm hearing from the chatting crowd. It's quite amazing. Um, let's see. We do have so we have so much activity here. It's fantastic. What are you doing later today? What is your day? Oh, well, my husband is building a stone patio in a big, big circle for the workshop because always we sit in dirt. And, and, you know, it just, it's fine. People forget that it's dirt. People forget that there are spiders in the mugs. People forget <laughs> that the bathroom isn't that clean. But it's just going to be gorgeous. So, uh, and I'm also going to Shire Town Meats to pick up, um, brisket because I'm making crepelach because tomorrow is Rosh Hashanah. So tomorrow's Happy New Year. And our Happy New Year doesn't Happy go New with, Year. uh, it doesn't go with CC and ginger. It doesn't go with, uh, Tijuana. Uh, what is it? Tequila. Tequila. <laughs> It'll it'll be Manischewitz and you'll get a headache the next day. But we'll uh, this family and singing and and honoring the new year and hoping that everyone has peace is just oh sweetheart. Just, and you're still- oh, I can't believe that we are having talks, the middies talks. Why are we still killing each other? It's the same food. It's the same hair. It's the same. It's act. the same blood. The same DNA. Oh, we just God, yeah. I got, I just I, and it's the people want peace. It's the fucking politicians that don't. Right. No, Am they I need to stir the pot. a terrible, terrible yeah. word in the middle. We can say trying, to, trying to promote peace, and I said a naughty, <laughs> naughty, violent word. I am told we are absolutely, well, but sometimes it's used powerfully, and that was well used. And Thank on this that we can say, caca, pee, pee, poo, poo, fuck shit, piss. Oh, that was just gross. Sorry, fans. <laughs> you must have kids. Huh? You must have had children at one point. Oh, yeah. You know Little them ones. well. <laughs> say all those words. And you know them well. Um, you and I love um, them. Well, happy Happy New Year to you. This is the happy, happy holiday, holiday, right? This is yes, a, well. The next week is the Day of Atonement, where we atonement. apologize to everyone. So it's like a making amends as a twelve step. You and just, I love that. You, Let's all make a promise to make amends, whatever religion we are. Yeah, you know, there's something sorry, we want to forgive. Yeah. Be accountable. Say you're sorry, and then begin again with with a new slate. Being it's kind. Yeah, it's a it's a big thing to do. It feels scary and hard, but it's oh my gosh, my favorite emotion, forgiveness and and letting go. It's not it's easy. Hard. It's hard. Forgiveness, you know, is not about the other person. It's about you. When you let go of that edge and that carrying around that that sore, it, it yeah. makes you much lighter. But it's hard to forgive, genuinely forgive. But yeah. that's the work we're here to do. We're human beings. That's what we do. Yeah, and as Judy Belushi said a couple of weeks ago in a conversation I had with her on the radio show, it's about uh, you can forgive, but you don't have to like that person. You don't have to hang out with that person, right. but you can forgive in your heart and move on because you take that toxic waste with you for life yes. if you don't. Yeah, it bores a hole in your heart. Yeah, it does. And have you, I mean, you, uh, listening to your whole interview, um, you just don't have, I'm sure you have a bad thing to say about somebody somewhere, but you find a good <laughs> in people, and it's just a wonderful gift. And I know you've had your knocks, and what a year you've had. I, we haven't oh, talked about the last one. Yeah. 
Nancy lost her son recently, uh, three years ago, uh, three months ago. Oh, no, January 29th on the January. full moon, and I oh, have a grandchild gosh. that was born five months later on the full moon. Is that, that's, that's it exactly. And, and what, what a life he had and a struggle and what a mom you were and family you were too. He was, he was an amazing guy. He was angry, 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 and then he sort of finally after years of, I'm going to kill myself, I can't do this. He he just made sick. surrender, and he became a teacher. He became a wise, gentle, beautiful soul that everybody, you know, when you go visit someone who's vulnerable and beautiful, mm-hmm. you become a higher being when you're there. You there would be no reason to compete. There would be no reason to be angry. You just you your highest self. So he would get you know as as he was deteriorating and getting sicker, I would say to my husband, okay, which would you rather that he skis, and he can walk and be the angry guy he was or that he's totally crippled and people he's getting more love from more people and giving out more love and he would go i wanted to ski and then eventually you know he knew that he wasn't going to ski ever again and he got and my husband you know dealt with his pain and his sorrow and he said you know the guy is becoming beautiful and this is what it is and he just was a ball to be with i mean we had a great time for eight of the years and then the other eight were horrible yeah, and and bless your heart, you you found the teacher in him and helped him uh, yep. go, get get through his life and that and find peace. And I know you're a major part of that. You make me weep just even saying these words, Nancy. We're about the at the end of the show, and as I said, we could have ten more. I love you, and I thank you so much. I love you back. Deb, you're doing a uh, phenomenal thing in this world. I love you. Thank you so much. Oh, and uh, to all of you out there, thank you for listening and for chatting in. And next week uh, we'll be back at a. 11 o'clock um, with Sarah Guinan Nixon, who is another amazing, fantastic person that I can't wait to introduce you to. Uh, you can read more about me and uh, these shows at www.lifeonpurposeradio.com and also on Hear Women Talk Network right here. I thank you all for being with us and signing off. Love you.